Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 23. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The, di- the disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has, been, whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears. And they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I truly tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but do not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they, do, since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refer to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Rebecca. If you can keep your Bibles open to Matthew 13, that would be great. We'll go through Matthew 1 through 23 together, but let's pray that God will speak to us today. Lord, we thank you for your word, that it's living and active, that it's powerful, that it can not just soften, but it can change our hearts. Lord, give us listening hearts. Um, Give us hearts that are ready to hear your word, and may your word be deeply planted and bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I don't think I have the skill set or the charisma um, to be a mega church pastor, but imagine, for some reason, imagine thousands of people coming to Shatin Church. Thousands of people. They're just filling up the whole place. 
What do you think I should say? What do you think I should say? Something inspiring, something that's funny, something that moves people, challenges people in the right way. Whatever it is, I'm sure you'd hope that it's clear, that it's relevant, that it challenges people. In some ways, that's not what Jesus did. (laughs) Not Jesus. The biggest crowd of his life, it seems, has come to hear him. Take a look at verse 2. There's so many people, just they're, they're outdoors, right? They're outdoors um, by the sea, but there's just so many people, even on the sea, even at the sea, that he's being crowded out. And so he has to get on a boat to go and preach. So he gets on a boat and he preaches. And think about what he says. He tells the story about the, uh, a sower who spreads uh, the seeds. Some fall on this uh, path and it gets eaten away, snatched away by uh, the birds right away. Uh, some get sown and, and they grow quickly, but because they only had uh, shallow sort of roots, um, they wither away quickly. Some others grow, uh, but because it's, it, it's uh, surrounded by all these thorns, they choke and they never actually bear any fruit. But some seeds, he says, bore fruit of 100 times, 60 times, 30 times. I'm sure these people, I mean, most of them, I'm sure most of them are from Galilee, but I'm sure many of them had come from far away to hear this miracle worker, this itinerant preacher. And I'm sure they really wanted to hear something that's relevant to their life. But imagine, I mean, we know the story pretty well, but imagine hearing this story for the first time. Imagine hearing Jesus for the, time and for the first time, and this is the story that you got. What are you supposed to get out of it? How are you supposed to apply it? Be a good farmer? Make sure that your soil's good, right? Jesus doesn't explain. He leaves them with the parable. That's all he does. But why does he do that? Why does he do that? Um, the disciples come and ask the very question in verse 10, right? Why do you speak in parables? And this is Jesus' answer. Because the knowledge of the secret of the kingdom of heaven is, has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has been given, whoever has been given more, whoever has will be given more, and they'll have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken away. You know, Jesus says, him speaking in this way, in this cryptic, cryptic way, is uh, deliberate. He does it on purpose to give to people who already have more things. If people have some sense of who Jesus is, Jesus is saying, I'm going to give them more. But actually, people who don't know who Jesus is, well, they'll walk away. Whatever have will be taken away from them. I think what troubles us when we hear this is that Jesus doesn't seem to try to get all of the crowd to understand what he's saying. Why does he do that? And actually, they don't even seem to have a choice about it, right? Jesus implies that there are only two types of people those who know him, who will be blessed with more, and those who don't know him and whose, whose things will be taken away from them. It seems like they don't even really have a choice about it. It seems also predetermined and so set. There's nothing one can do to change the course, and it seems really unfair. But it's not as simple as that. Yes, 
things are as God has determined them to be. But that doesn't mean that we're free of responsibility. That doesn't mean that we can't actually choose. In fact, speaking in parables is a way of forcing people to choose towards a decision. Will you come to me when I speak in this way, or will you run away? Will you go away not understanding? Jesus spoke just enough, you see, to give them enough for them to come to him and go, what is that about, Jesus? Can you tell us more? That sounds interesting. Right? It disciples, see, it does exactly that. I mean, take a look at verse 10. Right? Disciples come to Jesus and they ask him, why do you speak in parables? And they're given answers. And if they stay long enough, they actually got the answers about the parables. The meaning of parables were given to them. If they came, they received more. But if they didn't, if they were too lazy to come, too deaf to hear, if they didn't have ears to hear, they walked away with nothing. Eventually, they didn't have access to the truth in Jesus at all. Take a look at the last, if you have your Bibles open, last verse in chapter 13. And he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. Jesus just stopped do, sorry, doing miracles there. Um, whatever had they had were taken away from them. Uh, I was uh, 2007. I was ordained in 2007 in the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. I don't know if you've ever been there. It's actually one of the like, tourist uh, uh, destinations. It's a beautiful cathedral in Washington, D.C. And from outside, it's a beautiful building. You see uh, that it's full of stained glass windows. But from outside, they're just sort of windows. <laughs> when you go in, the colors come alive. The whole cathedral comes alive with vivid colors. You see, outside, the windows, they're kind of an invitation. Come inside and take a look. Inside, from inside, the whole world looks different. The parables are an invitation. Jesus says these things in somewhat cryptic way, but what he's saying is, come inside and check it out. Come inside the fullness. I'll give you more. I'll bless you with more if you choose to come and be my disciple. Parables are that instrument, but you might say, well, it's a blunt instrument. It turns away so many people. It turns away so, uh, 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 all these people who came for good reasons, maybe. But perhaps, maybe that's what they needed. Perhaps that's what they needed to uh, hear from Jesus. Jesus is a carpenter after all. He knows that the tools need to change depending on the material that you're working with. Their hearts were hard. And with a hard, hard, something like a stone, you need a blunt instrument to strike it. You need to hammer it away, right? You need to shock it in order for that to change, to, uh, to, um, to, um, to listen, in order for them to listen. Here's another example. Here's another way of thinking about it. In Shatin uh, Church, we say when we do communion uh, that if you are baptized, you're welcome to take communion. But if you're not baptized, then you should refrain from taking it. Um, I know that it's actually sometimes difficult to say because there are many people who have come to Shatin Church, you know, for good reasons. Maybe they're exploring the faith and they want to uh, find Jesus. But actually we say this is a line that you need to cross in order to take communion. And actually that makes people think. That often has the effect of thinking, well, why am I not baptized? 
Why am I not following Jesus in this way? And it draws people in. But the truth is, many people do not respond. Isaiah had one of the toughest jobs. About 600 years before Jesus' is coming, he was commissioned out to go and preach to the Israelites. There's this message of judgment, message of repentance. And God tells Isaiah, actually, you will go out, but people's hearts are hard and they will not hear you. That's what he says. And it's confirmed in his ministry. People do not repent. And uh, Israel is uh, taken over. It's, it's judged. And Jesus tells the disciples in verse 14 that their rejection looked forward to the rejection of Jesus' days. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. They heard the parable and they walked away. They heard, but they did not understand. They saw, but they did not really see because their hearts were callous. And many people just go away. But it's not... Like Jesus is saying, he's not just turning them away, right? He is saying, look, you need to listen. Uh, reference to listening or ears is found 16 times uh, 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 between verses 9 uh, through 23. You see one in verse 9. Um, Whoever has ears, let them hear. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. They are there to listen. Jesus wants them to listen. Because this is the thing about the kingdom of God. Pax Romana, Roman peace. They proclaimed Roman peace, but wherever the Roman Empire went, they proclaimed it, but they proclaimed it by force. Wherever the Roman Empire expanded, they raised the towns, they killed the opposition, they enslaved those who would oppose them. That's how the Roman peace came. That's how the empire expanded, but not so with the kingdom of God. Kingdom of God will not come by force like that. Kingdom of God will expand by the word of God being proclaimed honestly, without deceit, without any trickery, right? God's word going out and people hearing it and responding to it. That's how the kingdom of God would expand. It will not come by force. So Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God and Jesus says, listen, if you have ears, listen. If you do, you'll be given more and you'll have in abundance. And this is what this story, this parable is about. How to live an abundant life. How to live a life that's full of fruit. So once again, let's lend our ears and let's listen. God, Jesus says in verse 19 that the farmer is really God spreading the, the, the seeds of the kingdom of God. And he mentions how some seeds fell on the path and never got really planted, uh, and the birds came and ate it up. He tells us in verse 19 that the birds are Satan. They represent Satan and the evil spirits that are there working so hard to destroy and snatch away the seeds um, that, are, um, that, that, that go out. Friends, we can't be naive. Satan is at work once again. He is at work trying to destroy and snatch away, from, uh, snatch away the, the message of the kingdom of God, uh, taking deep roots in people's hearts. He might, the greatest trick the devil pulled was convincing the world that it doesn't exist, C.S. Lewis says. He is certainly at work. He might be creating distractions. 
He might be bringing certain people and situations in your life that actually makes you very, makes you very difficult to concentrate and hear the message of God's kingdom. But he also could be doing it indirectly. He's the father of lies, and he has created a culture of lies. You know, many people believe that being a Christian means checking your brain out the door, that science and religion, science and Christianity do not, uh, cannot coexist together. Well, that's a lie. It's a lie to say that in order to be a Christian, you have to be homophobic. That's a lie. But these lies that Satan has created, well, they, uh, they distract people from hearing God's word, from listening to it and having it deeply be rooted in their life. I wonder if that's a problem for you. Whether you're listening to all these lies or these distractions or these things that are going on that actually you can't pay attention to the word of God going out, addressing you. But if you're here this morning, it's probably not your situation. God's word likely have had some impact in your life. But that doesn't mean that we're out of the woods yet. The second kind of soil is the seeds that take some root. And Jesus explains in verse 20 that they receive the message of the kingdom of God with great joy. But because the roots didn't go deep enough, it didn't have a chance to go deep enough, there's something that, uh, um, the rocky thing that's there, um, that when they face persecution and troubles, they wither away. What's your theology of suffering and troubles? Do you have room for it? You know, if you believe that being a Christian means that you won't suffer, that you won't face troubles, well, somebody has told you lies. That is not true. Trusting in Jesus actually sometimes invites suffering, right? From your family members who might oppose you, from your friends who might want to alienate you. It might actually invite suffering. Christians go through cancer. They lose uh, jobs, a bereavement. Uh, that happens in our lives. If somebody told you that that doesn't happen, that's not true. But what Jesus promises is that you will go through them, that he will give you the strength to go through them. He'll give you the joy with which you can still thrive in that sort of situation. That's what he promises. He promises the Holy Spirit who might sometimes work in a very tangible way to help you to overcome those problems. What's your theology of suffering? Are you ready for troubles and persecutions we need to repent of our idolatry of a comfortable life, a trouble-free life. That's not what Jesus promised. Crowning Jesus means letting him decide, right? Letting him decide what's good for you. And sometimes, actually, he might, invite, he might bring troubles to your life so you can be refined and be, become like Jesus Christ. We need to let Jesus be our Lord and our King. Don't let the seeds die when the troubles come. And some of you are saying, I'm ready, theoretically. I know this. I know this. Um, you come to church regularly. Um, you have all the uh, sort of outward trappings of being a Christian. Well, that doesn't mean that you're out of the woods yet either. The third kind of soil is the soil that's filled with thorns. They fell among the thorns. The plant grew, but they're choked away. As they grew, there was no room for the fruit to grow because of the, all the thorns um, around them. 
And Jesus says um, that these are worries of life, deceitfulness of wealth that uh, choke the fruit. Really, Jesus is speaking about practical atheists, right? People who come to church, but their lives are no different from people who don't know Jesus. Monday through Saturday, they are just like everybody else out there. Worries of life and deceitfulness of wealth. I wonder what worries you. What do you worry about? What worries choke you from being fruitful? I'm getting into a season of worrying about our kids. Kids' education. Uh, Barney's kindergarten interview is this coming week. I think it's ridiculous that he has to interview. <laughs> He's like not even three. Um, but, you know, I then not think about that because I'm made to think about it, right? Like what school will he go to? Which school, which secondary school will he end up? Where will he go to university? What kind of life will he live? We worry about how Hong Kong will be like, what Hong Kong will be like, what, whether we'll be able to afford our retirement and how we're going to continue through this pandemic that doesn't seem to end. So we do all the things that we're supposed to do. Try to send our kids to the best schools, to save as much as we can, and buy insurance, pour money into retirement funds, and wear masks, and you know, hope for a vaccine, all these things. These are good things to do. And I know that many of you do it, but we need to take a step back. We need to take a step back and look at ourselves and go, where's the fruit? Where is the, our, our faith and what difference does that make in the way that we live? Because if we live like everybody else out there, that's not how, that, that, that's not how we're supposed to be. We're supposed to bear fruit 30, 60, 100 times. Our lives are supposed to be different because of Jesus. We might also be bearing no fruit because of the deceitfulness of wealth, Jesus says. Wealth promises all sorts of things, power, control, status, value, uh, self-worth, happiness. But you know, Jesus calls this deceitful, wealth deceitful, because they deceive you. They cannot give you the things that it promises. Are we deceived by wealth and what it promises? Is that what we live for? And one good gauge is to once again to look, take a look at your bank account. Where do, where, how do you spend your money? Where do they go? What, percent, what portion of your income goes to supporting the church, supporting our mission partners, supporting the people in need around you? Are we deceived by wealth that we just hold on to it and we don't contribute to the growth of the kingdom of God? You know, last time, I discussed this parable with uh, my group. I remember uh, someone asking, but this person is still saved, right? It's not my place to say. I mean, only God knows, although the warnings about how God will cut down the trees that bear, bear no fruit, they're there. We need to keep that in mind. But I want to say, that's a wrong question to ask as we go through this uh, text. Do you really want your life to be a struggle that just makes it, that just, just ekes it out. You know, a life that bears like one fruit or something like that. Is that what, you're want, what you want your life to be like? Because look at what's possible. Verse 23, the seeds falling on the good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces crop yielding 160, 30 times what was sown. 
don't you want to bear fruit? Hundred times. Why isn't that our ambition? Sixty times and thirty times. Don't we want to be like this tree that's uh, living by the stream of water? You know, we go through hard times, but it's healthy, and we live and we thrive. And in due time, we bear fruit. We become a blessing to to others around us. That we, our lives, are filled with the joy that God gives us. Don't we want our lives, or the rest of our lives, want to be like that? That should be the question that we should be asking, right? How do we do that? How do we live like that? Well, Jesus says, listen. Listen. See, these four different types of soil, uh, they don't just, they're not just categories of t- four types of responses, right? as if you can't change. Jesus is holding up a mirror to us. He's saying, look, which one are you? What do you do when you look at a mirror? You know, you see a big spot on your face. What do you do? Well, you wipe it, you wipe it away. That's what we're supposed to do. Which type of soil are you? And how can we live then differently, devoted to Jesus? Jesus says, listen, those who bear fruit are those who hear the word and understand it. Those are uh, they who meditate on it, act on it, living their lives differently as a result. I don't know how many people had gathered by, the, by that lake, lakeside. I'm sure most of, them were le- most of them left without really taking in the message. Many of the seeds that were sown on that day by Jesus were taken away Right, choked away, uh, they dried up with the persecution and troubles. And we might ask, why? I mean, we might question Jesus' wisdom. Why did he speak like that in a way that drove away so many people? Was that wise? But the result was, throughout Jesus' ministry, he had made 11 disciples and some, um, a few more, right? And these 11 plus some people, when they endured, when they went through the trouble and the persecutions, when they lived by God's word, you know what happened? The whole world was changed through them. Jesus doesn't want many people sitting there just hearing on Sundays. He wants disciples whose lives are devoted to him, whose lives are changed by his word. Those 11 people change the world. You know, there are like 230, 300 people who come every Sunday to Shatin Church. Imagine what he could do with Hong Kong if all our lives are devoted to him, if we bear fruit of 30, 60, 100 times. But we must listen. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word that is powerful and effective. Lord, we pray that you will make our hearts fertile ground, fertile grounds for your word. Lord, may these words not just be plucked away by Satan, 
May these words not uh, dry or uh, uh, wither away in per- times of persecution and troubles. May these words not be choked away, that we're no different from those who don't know you. Lord, would you, by the power of your Spirit, make these words come alive in our minds and our hearts. Lord, would you allow them to take deep root in our hearts. We want to be a church that bears fruit of 30, 60, 100 times. A church that knows a life and life abundant. In Jesus' name, amen.